0: Podcast is part of the sports social podcast network.
1: Seria Chronicles is a Media Chronicles production. Hello, welcome along to another episode of Serie Chronicles with me, Patrick Kendrick, today alongside Nikki Bandini. And it's been another wonderful weekend of Italian top flight action. Before we get into the entire show, Nikki, how was your weekend, football aside?
0: Oh, week football aside, what sort of questions? <laughs> um, no, I had a, I had a good weekend, actually. Um, yeah, I was uh, up in London, uh, saw some friends. Um, nothing too out of the ordinary. I'm trying to think if there's anything particularly sort of noteworthy about it for, for listeners. But no, I, I just sort of, it's always tricky. When you do the job we do, and I mm. certainly have the same experience, Patrick. When you get to this time of the year, where there's Champions League games and Europa League games, it's it's brilliant fun and a great privilege, and the most exciting time in the year to do this job. um But sometimes it's also a real struggle to manage to remember to be a person who has other parts of their life that aren't just working to to see people and to to make sure you're keeping up with everyone. And 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 that is uh, was nice to get a bit of that in this weekend for sure.
1: I know the feeling. Yeah. I've been, that's been my sort of all season long. That has been my resolution basically is trying to do more socializing and a little bit less work because yeah, occasionally (laughs) you can just think, okay, this weekend I'm commentating on these matches. So I spend my free time prepping and then the rest of the time I'm doing the game itself. Whereas you do realize that there are opportunities and windows around it to actually have a normal life.
0: (laughs) It's a challenge. My mum's seventieth birthday is coming up and, uh, and it's going to coincide with the um, second leg of Atletico against Inter, and I was offered some work around that, and and I've said no to it, and um, because my mum's seventy, and you know it's it's a tough one, because of course I'm going to want to watch that game anyway, but you know you you've got to you've got to make some decisions for for your family as well, don't you? So
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's only in recent years I've actually started attending friends' weddings, which has been nice <laughs> as well, unless <laughs> it happens to fall during the off season, which is is normally good with the summer weddings. Anyway, let's do a bit of house. A reminder of our free seven-day trial of our Chronicles t Patreon membership so you can get access to all full episodes 100% ad-free, plus bonuses such as videos and behind-the-scenes content. Also, please subscribe to our Seria Chronicles YouTube channel. We had a nice boost in subscriptions last week. We're almost at a 1,000 subscribers. Personally, there's also a little bit of an internal battle there. As whether my channel, Patrick Kendrick, do subscribe to that as well, whether <laughs> I can get to uh, four figures before the Serie A Chronicles <gasps> one. So, a slight conflict of interest. I am using the Serie a Chronicles platform to bug my own YouTube Trying channel. Trying
0: to get ahead of it. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Let's,
1: let's say my upload schedule is a lot less frequent than Serie a Chronicles. Yeah. So if you actually want content that is not at least a year old, then I suggest you, uh, you go to Serie a Chronicles. And finally, do please give us a five-star rating, provided that is your genuine opinion of the podcast, <laughs> and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, none of where for you. None of
0: this. Patrick, what's this equivocating? None of those genuine opinions. Give us a five-star rating. <laughs> Just, I feel like I should say as well, guys, um, Mina hasn't been kicked off the show or anything. She just can't be with us this week. Um, so don't don't worry if you're wondering where's Mina. She's She's got some stuff, um, talking about real life stuff, she's got some real life stuff to deal with, but um, she'll be back before too long, don't you worry.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Molling a cristante, a 25 metres, <laughs> tiro, a
1: So, round 26, lots to get through. Um, and I'm almost tempted to start with the standout performance of the weekend, going sort of reverse chronologically. I want to talk about Roma Torino. I want to talk about Paolo Di Bala, who struck a hat trick last night at the Olimpico for Daniele De Rossi's side. Also, I'm, I'm sort of. Being a little bit obsequious here because producer Simon is wearing a Roma shirt. <laughs> he's he's, he's uh, you can't you can't hear him. We can see him. He's right in the middle. He's now proudly brandishing his uh, his Roma his Roma shirt. DiBala, we know he can do this, but just occasionally he reminds us what a good player he is.
0: Yeah, producer Simon kissing the badge, by the way, which usually, in my experience, means he's about to accept a, a fifty million euro transfer somewhere else. I don't know. Um, <laughs> It was, it was brilliant, wasn't it? I mean, power of Dybala is, and this is a recurring conversation for us in this podcast, thing we talked about all the time. Um, Dybala's one and only drawback as a footballer, well, actually, I shouldn't say this. We talked about this in the podcast all the time. Mina might disagree. I would say only one and only drawback as a footballer is that he's not on the pitch half the time. When he's on the pitch, he's Flipping brilliant, Um, uh, I say that Mina, uh, who I'm sure will listen, and I have gone back many, many times down the years about back and forth about whether he delivers in the big games like he should. But uh, he he's wonderful, and I think my favourite part of this one, honestly, Patrick, it was obviously some 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 beautiful technical football from DiBala, who who has these moments of just outrageous technical um, ability and and close control that are um, jaw dropping every. Every season, every game, I think you see something from him. But the favorite moment for me is, is him scoring and then running and, and jumping on Daniele De Rossi, almost like that scene, almost like someone who's just seen their long lost loved one at a train station and is running up and, and can't, just can't hold back and jumps on them. And, uh, really spoke to the, the mood at, at Roma right now of, of, of having fun. And and there's a there's a bigger conversation that we were having, of course, with producer Simon, just before we came on about, is it time to start talking seriously about is this job now De Rossi's properly? Is he more than just the the caretaker, the traghettatore, the, the the ferryman to the end of the season? Yes, I'm with he you. Is. I think it is. <laughs> um, but but before we even get to that, I think it's worth saying just the vibe change from late Mourinho every week new polemic new thing to argue about new thing to to complain about always another another um lament about referees or schedules or whatever else it was um to just what feels like roma's moment of just joyful football and that doesn't mean flawless football but but enjoying themselves a lot uh, i think is is something to behold
1: Careful, they'll be coming for you in your mentions now that you've been there. You're another Mourinho hater, just like me.
0: <laughs> the, the, the Mourinho crowd do come for you. I don't know if this is one of those things that's just very like... It's quite
1: tribal, isn't it?
0: Boring to listeners, journalistic conversation. But there are certain figures who, when you talk about them, you get strong reactions online as a journalist, and Mourinho is always one of them.
1: His compatriot as well, CR7, is another one who tends to uh, have yeah. a pretty strong lobby as well. But. Uh... Anyway, no, I completely agree. You know what it reminded me of um, when Dybala ran across and, and basically jumped on De Rossi? It was similar to, uh, to Di Lorenzo making a beeline for Spalletti when he scored against Inter at the back end of last season. But yeah. we hope there's a different denouement this time. That's because that was basically the tacit confirmation that Spalletti was leaving after the rumours began to emerge. This time around, we feel that De Rossi has a lot of credit in the bank because of the results. That's five league wins from six now. The only match they lost was against Inter, and that was a game they led 2-1 in. Um, we have seen, and he conceded as much in his pre-match press conference, they haven't necessarily been able to sustain really high performance levels throughout the 90 minutes. But he qualified that by saying, well, when we're good, we're good enough to, to get results. And I don't even think we can necessarily bring in that caveat that we were doing before about, okay, well, they've only played Verona and Salernitana and Cagliari. Torino are a good side. They stop you from playing. To score three against Torino is, is no mean feat.
0: Yeah, I I think my sort of feeling on this early Dinastia Roma is that they absolutely can be got at. I think they they don't look very stable. They look vulnerable when teams uh come at them. I think that happened in the in the game against Feyenoord. I thought they were they were better than Feyenoord across two legs, but both of the goals um reflected something in in the vulnerability that they had and I think Gosh, that's going to make for a, a a fascinating next Europa League round, given what we know about Brighton and the fact that they also um, have have these two faces to them—that ability to to throw everything at you—and and also the uh, um, the more vulnerable side. Um, I mean, that story is going to be brilliant, top to bottom. De Rossi talking about his daughter and Desideri's really? daughter um, becoming friends to the Roma club uh, in in England is is its own story, and uh, I'm really looking forward to talking about that more. But just um, on the football right now, I, I do think there's there's going to be this valid conversation about is Didossi just succeeding on vibes right now or is he doing things that are tactically clever? Or is he actually smart enough to to hold down a job like this? And I, I think it's still slightly too early for some of those conversations. I also think in football, there's always more than one way to skin a cat, right? And I think that there's, without question, jobs that fit certain managers better than, than others. And again, I, I worry saying this that we're going to have I'm going to get messages from Mina later about um, how wrong I am. But I think about Zidane at Real Madrid. Zidane was perfect at Real Madrid. Would Zidane have been perfect? would Zidane have been perfect even at Roma? I don't know, but mm. certainly would Zidane have been perfect at at, at some other random mid table club or a lesser club? And and I know people are going to talk. Do
1: about you think him. deep down he knows that, and that's why we've not seen him anywhere else other than Real Madrid?
0: Maybe, or maybe it's just not where he wants to, and he's not a life experience that he wants. And I think that's, you know, a valid thing for anyone to to say when they've made as much money and had the career that Zidane had. True. Maybe you just don't want to do it. But that's one of the fun things to, with De Rossi, right? Listening to him talk about everything afterwards and, and talking specifically about that, that hug with Dibala uh, and him saying, you know, I I enjoy celebrating with Devella just as much as I enjoyed celebrating with Nicola Rauti. You know, he he doesn't care whether it's here or whether it's spell or whether it's somewhere else. He he's loving specifically relating to players and and having that that sense of of working together for something, which is clearly who he was as a player. It's who he was as a player was to be very much at the center of the dressing room to be someone who was always selfless and working for his teammates and I think he views his role as a manager like that he views his role as as a connector and as someone who who part of his role is to make the the team pull together and I think that it's valid as a manager and can be successful to round back to the point I was making to be that kind of manager and not be the world's number one tactician I don't think every single manager who's successful is, is Pep Guardiola. Agreed. And I and I think that um, that's where your staff comes into it, right? That's where you have your match analysts, you have your video staff, you have all sorts of people who can help you with with specific parts of it. And I, I've even had that conversation with Stefano Pioli where we talked about being a manager and, and he said that to him the most important part of it was the, the man management, the working with individuals and and helping them get their heads in the right places to improve. And and someone else can help me with the, with the analysis. So that there are definitely different ways to be a successful manager. So I think I'm not trying to put, um, put De Rossi in some elevated position that he's not yet shown he's worthy of, but I also think the idea of dismissing him because he might not have all the same characteristics as a, a Guardiola or or even close to home, a Gasperini, who I think of as a really smart tactical manager, that doesn't, that doesn't mean he can't be a big success.
1: I completely agree, and I think you can only work with the players you have at your disposal. I mean, lest we forget Roberto De Zerbi, who we've mentioned there, had a pretty poor spell in Serie A with Benevento. I mean, it was it was embarrassing in terms of results. But you know, to judge De Rossi on the fact that he was sacked as Spal boss, I think is being a little bit reductive and um, not. Fair, you know, and and what I like about what I've seen from him so far is there are so many different facets to being a head coach in the modern era, and communication is a big part of that. He clearly communicates well with his players because they've really bought into what he's doing. You can see that the sort of visceral reaction they're having to him on an emotive level, but also in his press conferences. Simon and I were discussing it before we went on the air that he's such a good communicator. He's very frank. He doesn't dodge questions. If he feels that a journalist is trying to trip him up, he'll call them out and albeit with a slight mm-hmm. wry smile. He's just very good. And he's, you know, he's open and honest about where he feels he needs to learn, where his team can improve, how he has, you know, studied as well, going to watch Juric's training sessions at Verona, um, seeking advice from Zerbi, De And I'm very impressed with him. And I don't think you can ever say we're going to try and have the foresight to think this might end up, you know, the obvious comparison is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who was a club legend, who was synonymous with United winning the Champions League, came in, I think it was 17 wins and a draw from his first 19 matches, kept the job on a permanent basis. Unfortunately, this is a results business. You can't say, okay, Jorossi's got results, but long-term we have doubts about his tactical now, so we're going to keep him in for six months. If he gets results that take Roma into a top five finish and they qualify for the Champions League, he has the right to take them into next season and then try and progress the club forward. And if he can't do it, then that decision will come and it will be a painful decision. But I think it would be very unfair to dismiss him and say, okay, he just benefited from the fact that club was at a low ebb following the dismissal of Mourinho and the players were just, you know, that was that new coach bounce. I think you have to judge him on his results and his overall contribution, which so far has been almost wholly positive.
0: And I think there's a like to to talk about the team specifically, I, I think there's an interesting dynamic to the shift in Roma, which is under Jose Mourinho, it felt like there was this acknowledgement that you've got Lukaku and Dybala and and those two players are gonna very often be able to win you games just by being brilliant. And so Mourinho's approach to that sort of conceptually was to say, okay, so we keep things tight mm. and we give those players an opportunity to win the game for us. And I feel like the concept has been flipped on its head under De Rossi, which is when I look at this team is it a balanced 11? Not completely, but we have all this potential up front. So let's put the emphasis on what we can do going forward. And if the back's a little bit ropey, well, that's okay, because we're going to score a lot of goals. And it's certainly more entertaining to watch. Can we say it's better? We're still a little early, but the results have been good. And I do think it's getting this buy-in and enthusiasm. And you remember the attacking potential in this group, because it isn't even just DiBala and Lukaku. It's Pellegrini who's been scoring goals uh, for 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 fun, and it's Tammy Abraham coming back soon as well, and it's even others like Cristante looking like the shackles have come off a bit and, and doing different things. It it's a shift in emphasis that I think is really it's tapping into something different in the same group of players.
1: I feel like we could talk about Roma and and uh, and De Rossi for a, for a full hour here so we should move on. I would just say I would add Leandro Paredes as well to that as another player who's looked completely yeah. transformed under De Rossi having having played with him as well during his first spell at the club and nice to see Tony Snabri, who was very briefly at Roma having a nice chat with De Rossi after the full time whistle. So clearly he is a he's a people person who builds relationships. Nice
0: to see Chris Smalling back as well by the way.
1: Absolutely. First start since the 1st of uh, first of September and and there's also the tantalizing prospect of Lukaku and Abraham playing together, which De Rossi said he has been considering as well. So one to watch there. But the big game on paper was between Milan and Atalanta. And after being so heavily criticised about his goal output, having not scored in Serie A since September, Rafael Liao decided to take three minutes to score one of the goals of the season against uh, Atalanta. And I wasn't able to to watch the game, Nicky, because I was I was doing Lecce against Inter, which was the kickoff directly before that. And we'll get on to the Netatunya in due course. But watching the highlights back, it felt like this result wasn't necessarily fair on uh, on Milan, it was a slightly risultato bugiardo. it didn't really tell the whole story. It looked like the Rossoneri did a lot more to win the game than Atalanta did.
0: I, I would agree with that. Uh, there was obviously controversy around the penalty from which Atalanta got their goal.
1: Is that a clear and obvious error?
0: I don't think it's clear and obvious error at all. Um, I don't, I don't, no for certain. I think it's even um, the right decision once it's been changed. It, It's one of those with high boots, this, this line that's a bit blurred about when it becomes high enough for it to be the defender's fault. And when it's uh, the attacker lowering their head down and I don't know. I, I, I think it was It was. You know what the they should line. do to
1: resolve that? They should get the equivalent of like a limbo pole and superimpose <laughs> it on the pitch. And as and when a, a boot is above that line, <laughs> then that is a high boot. And when it's because, you know, it's, it's misleading as well, isn't it? You've got Milan Juric, who's like six foot seven. And then you've got other players in the league who are much smaller. You know, Insigne is five foot three. Uh-huh. Obviously, he's not in the league anymore. Lamek Banda, let's say five foot three. You know, there's a big difference there perspective wise. A high boot on Lamek Banda, who's five foot three, is probably... Only up to the waist of someone like Milan Jurich So it is it's quite subjective, isn't it?
0: Definitely, definitely subjective. And it's one of those rules that that's not specific to Italy. It's always been a bit of a bugbear of mine, the high boot rule, because it, it does always seem so vague and, and applied differently. I would say that from one all in this game, I Milan were, were clearly the only time, team really pushing to win it. The team that were playing the more clever football in terms of opening to up um which is no small thing by the way because Gasperini is a very smart tactical coach it felt like they were doing this really smart job of of using using the movement to, to to vacate parts of the pitch and then create spaces they were they were getting the ball into but at the same time it felt like this game started at a breakneck pace and the goal from Leao was brilliant I, I love him when he's like that and you see that smile on his face it's always one of the the things with Leao when you when you see him smile and then be his man you know he's just feeling it and and it's just really hard not to get swept up in it and to enjoy it. Il al duello, Scalvini va a e Rafa se ne va lo stesso. Grandissimo Rafa! Un gol meraviglioso! Un gol meraviglioso! Fantastico! Rafa! Che cosa hai fatto Rafa? Che cosa hai fatto Rafa? Che cosa hai fatto Rafa? Neserta due, la mette all'incrocio. Il gol di Raffaele Ao! Il gol di Raffaele Ao! Brilliant goal. And it felt at that time like we were going to get a barnstormer, which I, I was really excited for because this stuff that you can add into this game and this narrative, right, is the Charles de Catalara derby after he's been playing so brilliantly for Atalanta all season. Um, it's a game that potentially could even have dragged Milan back into a difficult battle for the, the Champions League places because, yes, right now the gap is, what, seven points. But if Atalanta, with a game in hand, win it, suddenly the, the gap is not much at all. But it felt like it petered out watching it live and, and not for want of trying. I do think Milan were, were trying to be enterprising and find, uh, find their ways through. But perhaps, um, from Atalanta's perspective, the draw was, was not such a bad result. And once they had got themselves back on a level of footing, they were willing to, to dig in a bit more. It certainly didn't feel like they had really the tools to break down Milan properly. And their goal did come in such a, Whether or not you agree with the decision, it felt like just one of those coincidental goals. It didn't feel like this was the part of some grand narrative that was happening in the game. It's just a thing that happened. Um, So so I I think it was definitely a better performance for Milan than Atalanta. But from, from a results perspective, it's not terrible for either of them, but it felt more like Atalanta got what they were looking for than Milan did.
1: So you feel that Atalanta would have taken the point had you offered it to them before the game. Milan might not have necessarily done so on the back of two straight defeats.
0: I I don't know if before the game, but certainly after Liao scores. Mm. Yeah, certainly after the goal goes in so early from Liao and and the stadium's rocking and you're thinking, oh, hello. I uh, I think Atalanta set their sights accordingly after that.
1: Marco Carnesecchi. Still a young goalkeeper, but he's edged out Juan So He saved two penalties from Andrea Pinamonti. I mean, it was essentially the same spot kick the week before. It was a retaken penalty. Mm. (laughs) He saved first to his left, then to his right. Um, Are we looking at someone who should be in the Italy squad as one of the three goalkeepers for Euro 2024? There's a lot of competition. I mean, Donnarumma is clearly first choice. We've seen Meret in the squad. We've seen Vicario. We've seen Provadel. There's there's a lot of options there.
0: Yeah, (sighs) Donnarumma has effectively been untouchable for a really long time. I'm not always sure that he should have been. Vicario started really brilliantly at Tottenham, and I I'm not certain that that should be a close conversation. But for me, it's it's who's number three after those two. And I think at that point, there's always that question of what what do you want your number three to be? Do you want your mm. number three to be? Uh, often in the past, we've seen you go for the old hand who's a steady influence and who's...
1: Pepe Reina was the great number three for Spain, wasn't he? Yeah. Mm.
0: Uh, and Morgan de Sanctis for the national team and 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 things like that. You've seen players you get Marco called Emilia, up... Marco just... Emilia, I
1: think, wasn't it, 2006? Yeah, yeah absolutely.
0: Um, or would you rather bring in someone who's younger and have them have that ex- opportunity and experience of, of being around the situation? Uh, of course, Alex Meret is someone who's gone from being one of the the very highly touted up and coming things and is now starting, but perhaps hasn't quite been at the level of consistency that people hoped he would get to. I, I think Karmaseki can can put himself in that conversation and and um again, depends a bit what Spelletti wants from that third goalkeeper. Because realistically, when was the last team you saw last time you saw the third goalkeeper at a tournament actually play? It's well, that almost wouldn't be a never. a a good sign,
1: would it? It would mean yeah. sending <laughs> off for the goalkeeper in the first match and then possibly an injury to the to the the reserve in the second match—that would be yeah. the only case. I think you'd see a third-choice goalkeeper. Absolutely, yeah. So, um, just quickly, yes/no answer: Are you purely well? Sorry, it's not a yes/no. It's a, it's an in/out answer. Purely in or purely out at the end of the season?
0: I'm purely in. I'm purely in. I I hope they get to push on with this Europa run, which they've um, they've got a reasonably favourable draw. I feel like for the last sixteen. Um, and, and they have something to, to aim towards because it does feel like this end of the season is, is, um, feeling a bit aim- aimless in the league because they're going to get in the top four. I would keep him. I have a hunch they won't. Um, I think perhaps there's just been so much conversation around this topic for so long that there's going to be a feeling that it's time for everybody to move on. And, and if Pioli can, can find that opportunity somewhere else, maybe he'll even think the same.
1: That does spawn two more questions. I mean, you're talking about where Pioli could go next. I mean, this is often the the way with Italian coaches. It becomes a case where they almost end up coaching pretty much all of the the big clubs, (laughs) you know, because so, so few of them work abroad. So if you think Pioli's already worked at Inter, he's already worked at Lazio, he's worked at Bologna, Fiorentina, you know, there's only so many places he can go short of return to one of those clubs. The two questions that come to mind are, A, I'm being slightly disingenuous here, could Pioli become Milan's Gasperini? You know, Gasperini's eighth season in Bergamo. He's untouchable there. I think we know the answer to that. But if, if, he, if he's... So I, that's a sort of non-question. I apologise. The actual question is, if Pioli wins the Europa League, which Milan have never won in their history, one of the few trophies they haven't captured, and he was already the man to win the Scudetto, rather surprisingly, 11 years on from their, from their previous win, does he then become unsackable?
0: I think the club would, n- would not sack him if he wins the Europa League. I think that I, I would definitely say. It's a pretty tough road to winning this Europa mm. League, bearing in mind that Bayer Leverkusen are dominating the Bundesliga and they're still in that competition. Liverpool could very well be the Premier League champions there in that competition. It's a very strong field still. And that's leaving aside, obviously, even uh, you might run into De Roma at some point or, or, or if not then, then I suppose Brighton. I, I think if if he wins that competition, he would not be pushed. But he could win that competition and walk, um, depending on on what um, opportunities are available to him. Oh,
1: the mic drop! I'd love that from Pioli, That yeah. would be great to see. Absolutely.
0: Beat Liverpool in the final and go replace Jurgen Klopp. Who knows? Um, I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. But. <laughs>
1: Head to seriachronicles.com forward slash Patreon now and subscribe to the Chronicles Tifosi Patreon membership with a free seven-day trial. Get early access to every full-length episode and voice note before the rest of the world. Plus, all episodes are 100% ad-free and you get bonus Patreon-only exclusive episodes, video episodes and behind-the-scenes extras. Also, be sure to join the new chat community in the Patreon app and chat with fellow subscribers.